Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Port St. Lucie. Let's join lead pastor Mike Wiggins for the message, Christ in You. All right, well, if you were here with us last week, you know that for the second half of Romans chapter 7, Paul was in this place of utter frustration, of utter desperation. Paul knew that as a believer, he had two different natures within. He had an old nature that he received from Adam, and then he had a new nature that he received from Christ on the road to Damascus when he met Jesus Christ and uh, received Christ as his Savior. And so he, he had two natures, like all believers do, two natures inside of him, and he knew that these two natures were, uh, were at war. We called it the war within. Now, the war within is described from chapter 7, verse 15, all the way through uh, verse 23. And so we're just going to look at verses 22 and 23 from chapter 7 by way of review. So check out chapter 7, verse 22. He says, for I delight in the law of God according to the, what's the next two words? Inward man. That's synonymous with the new nature. But here's the problem, verse 23. I see another law in my members. And what's the next word? Warring, battling against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, and then um, we're going to read verse 24 in just a second. But you got to understand that the mistake that Paul made in the second half of Romans chapter 7, the mistake that he made from verses 15 all the way through verse 23, is that he was trying to overcome his flesh, his old nature, his sin nature. It's all, it all means the same thing. He's trying to overcome his old nature through sheer willpower. And so we saw it last week that when you try to live the Christian life in your own strength, what's going to happen is that you're going to fall flat on your face. And that's what happened to Paul. So because he was trying to live the Christian life in his own strength, he said things like this, chapter 7, verse 15, and I quote, what I want to do that I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. Then he said in verse 19, for the good that I want to do, I do not do, but the evil I don't want to do, that I practice. And so as Paul is trying to overcome his sin nature through sheer human willpower, he's at a place of frustration, he's at a place of desperation, and now we'll read verse 24, it all culminates in him saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Notice who, not what. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? Oh, wretched man that I am. Maybe some of you are here today and you're having a similar experience. You're trying your best, but it feels like the, try, the harder you try, the more you keep failing. And maybe you're at a point this morning where you're thinking, you know, man, I'm just sick of, of always falling into the same sin. Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched woman that I am, who will deliver me from the body of 
this death? What do I need to do? How can I stop messing up? Okay, if you want to really know what to do, here it is. You need to have the same spiritual breakthrough the Apostle Paul had in verse 25. Now, we'll read verse 24 again so you get the full thrust. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Here it is. I thank God through, help me out with the next four words. There's your answer. Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. That's life according to the new nature. But with the flesh, the law of sin, that's fallen back into your old ways. That's life according to the old nature. So Paul, in verse 25, he finally comes to the end of himself. He finally realizes that, hey, the key to living the victorious Christian life it's not trying, it's trusting, right? It's not trying harder, it's trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's relying on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? Not you, not your friends. As I said last week, not the self-help section in Barnes and Noble, it's not what, it's who, and it's Jesus Christ our Lord. And so as we are indwelt by him, as we hang out with him in his word and prayer, as we starve our old nature and feed our new nature, as we find out later on today in the message, as we set our minds on the things of the spirit and not the things of the flesh, listen, as we do those things, we're going to be transformed. It's not a maybe. It's not a hope so. It's not if I have a good day or a bad day. It's an absolute fact, Paul was transformed when Paul realized it's not about relying on Paul, it's about relying on Jesus. And so from that place of victory in verse 25, he now says in chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no, what's the word? Condemnation to those who are, and I want you to underline the next three words, in Christ Jesus. Oh, if the church could just get that fact right there. In Christ Jesus. What's the result of knowing your position? What's the result of knowing that you're in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit? Here's your first point if you're taking notes. Because we are in Christ, we will never be condemned. Never, ever, ever be condemned. Now, I love Romans. I love the context. I love interpreting the verses according to the whole letter to the Romans. And so how do you know, chapter 8, verse 1, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How do you really know that's true? Because of Romans chapter 4 and 5. You guys remember the theme of chapter 4 and the theme of chapter 5? It's called justification by faith. And so, hey, when we turn to Christ in faith, what does he do? He justifies us. In other words, he forgives not some of our sins, not just our past sins, 
When we turn to Christ wholeheartedly and authentically in faith, he forgives all of our sins, past and present and future, and he declares, you're righteous. Not because of our self-righteousness. You guys know this, right? It's because of Christ's righteousness. Remember in chapters four and five, when we turn to him in faith, he clothes us in his righteousness. And so in Christ, we're justified. It's just as if I never sinned. In Christ, it's certain that you're gonna get home someday to heaven. Now, did you hear that? I was hoping I'd at least get one amen for that. In Christ, if you're really in Christ, getting home to heaven is a certainty. It's not a hope so, maybe so. If I live right, no. It's all about being in Christ. When you're in Christ, you're home. When you're in Christ, you're safe. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says that we are seated together with him in heavenly places. Think about that for a minute. Did you know that right now you're seated in heaven? You say, Pastor Mike, I'm sitting right here in a blue chair in this church. No, but do you remember this from Romans chapter six? That when you turn to Christ in faith, the Holy Spirit took your spirit and immersed it into the spirit of Christ. You became one with Christ. So wherever Christ is, you are. And wherever you are, Christ is. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the truth of the gospel. Stop trying to do life on your own. Stop trying to pull yourself by your own bootstraps. Stop trying to overcome your flesh and your own willpower. You're going to keep falling and falling and failing and failing. You need to just understand and accept by faith that you are in Christ. Because when you're in Christ, you're home and you're safe. You guys remember playing tag when you were a little kid? I love being outdoors. This is the beautiful thing about growing up when there wasn't a lot of video games. We actually played outside when we were kids. All we had was Atari and Pong, you know, beep, beep. It was like, that was so cool, man, we could do that, right? But, but, but we would go outside and we would run and play and, and we play tag. And so you remember when you're playing tag when you were a kid and that person who was it would chase you? Hey, but let's say this is home. As long as you made it home, you were safe. Hey, man, you can't get me out. I'm at home. You're still it. Listen, in Christ, you're home and you're safe. The enemy may chase you. The enemy may harass you. The enemy may condemn you. The enemy right now may be whispering in your ear. Who do you think you are sitting in church? You know what you did last week, last month, last year. What a hypocrite. Let me tell you something. When the, when the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Right? Stop listening to that nonsense. Stop listening to the wrong voice. Here's the voice you should listen to. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, accepted by faith. And so when the, when the enemy reminds you of your past, just make sure you understand that when you're driving down I-95, if you spend the majority of time looking in your rear view, rear view mirror, you're going to get into a car crash. Don't even think about the past. Keep your eyes forward. Do what Paul did in Philippians 3, uh, 13. This one thing I do, 
Forgetting those things that are in the past. Everybody say forget. Forgetting those things which, which are in the past and reaching forth to those things which are before. Everybody say before. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you keep listening to the enemy and as he reminds you of your past, you're not gonna be able to move forward the way the Lord wants you to. Listen, your sin is under the blood. It's gone, it's forgotten. It's cast into the deepest sea and there's a sign, no fishing, okay? Accept it, live in it, believe it. Your father is not condemning you. Your father is loving you and hugging you. You say, but I'm a sinner. He loves you. He will not condemn you. Would you ever condemn your own child? No. And how much more will our Heavenly Father never condemn those who are in Christ Jesus? Look at verse two. He says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me, what? Free from the law of sin and death. Do you see the two laws in verse two? There's the law of the spirit of life and there's the law of sin and death. That leads you to your next point if you're taking notes. The law of the spirit of life supersedes, conquers the law of sin and death. So what is the law of sin and death? This is not even hard. The law of sin and death is if you sin, you will die. The wages of sin is what? Death. Okay? And so that's the law of sin and death. You guys remember in your BC days? I do. You remember in your BC days, before Christ days? What were you doing? You were going your own way, doing your own thing. You were hardly even, <clears throat> hardly even thinking about God. And Ephesians chapter two says, in those days, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Our bodies were alive, our soul, right? Mind, will, emotions. Uh, our soul was alive but our spirit was dead. And then one day what happened is that the spirit came and he began to do a prior work. He began to draw us and woo us into a relationship with Christ. How many of you guys are really happy that the Holy Spirit loved you so much he began to draw you in your BC days? Thank God for that. Hey, we have no hope outside of that. And what happened is when we heard the gospel and some people like me who have thick heads, I heard it over and over and over and over before it finally starts sinking in. But we heard the gospel and we, we realized it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his spirit, he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so we realized that I'm a sinner. I deserve death, right? But God loves me. He sent his son. His son died, paid for my sins, rose again. I need to receive him. And when we did that, praise God, the spirit of God who was out here came in here and he quickened that part that was dead. That's our spirit. Now, if you're a born again believer, you are one person, but you have three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Your spirit is alive and your, his spirit witnesses with your spirit that you're a child of God. Jesus came, it's, it's all about Christ in you. 
And when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, what, what, what does he do? He gives us a new birth, a new nature. He gives us a, a whole new identity. And then we're all ready to, to take off for the Lord. Did you know that a fully loaded 747 needs about one mile to take off? One mile of runway. That's five to 6,000 feet. And so, as long as that 747 can get up to at least 180 miles an hour and reaches between five and 6,000 feet, at that point, the law of aerodynamics supersedes the law of gravity, and that big thing takes off. You look at those planes and you think, how in the world does something this big and heavy get off the ground? It's because one law superseded another law. Likewise, hey, when we turn to Christ in faith authentically, genuinely, what happens is that the law of sin and death is superseded by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And what's the result? Man, like a 747, and I see this in many of your lives, you just begin to take off for the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. But some of you are not really into it. You're not really into this whole walking it out, yielding to the Holy Spirit, understanding that Jesus indwells you, understanding that as we hang out with the Lord in his word and prayer, as we set our minds on the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh, as we starve our old nature and feed our new nature, that we can actually be transformed. Some of you are just not into it. You're just playing church. You just come to church a couple times a month. You sit there and you watch what you think is a performance and you listen to some speech and you walk away unchanged. I pray for you guys. Not all of you guys, but some of you guys and some of you women who are there. I pray for you that you would have a divine encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and you would stop relying on the arm of the flesh and start walking in the Holy Spirit. That's the key. But as long as you have a heart that's proud, and as long as you think you can do it on your own, I mean, we could pray till we're blue in the face. We'll see what happens. Look at verse three. He says, for what the law could not do, I love this, I love Romans. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, who did? What does it say there? God did, there's your answer. God did, how? by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Notice likeness of sinful flesh, not sinful flesh. <laughs> in other words, he had a body like ours. And so God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, right? He came to rescue us from sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. When? When he hung on the cross. Now, wh why did he do that? Verse four that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Here's your next point. Christ came to do what the law could never do, and that's justify and sanctify believers. Now, Christianity 101. If I see you in the foyer or in the parking lot after today's service, I'm gonna ask you, 
to define these terms because there is no excuse as a Christian not to know these terms. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Christianity 101 right here, okay? And so salvation is all about justification. Everybody say justification. And sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. And glorification. Please say glorification. Okay, justification is in our past if we know Jesus, right? And so that's an instantaneous event. And we can rightly say that I have, because I'm justified, declared righteous. That's all it means, declared righteous. Through, through faith in Christ, I have been saved from the penalty of sin. That's justification. You got to get that. This is not over anybody's head. This is basic. You'll never walk in newness of life unless you get this and believe it and accept it by faith. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. What is that? Death and hell. Spiritual death. Okay? Now, sanctification is for the present. It's an ongoing process. It takes the whole, your whole life. Sanctification means being separated by God, set apart by God. It means to be made holy. And so in sanctification, I am being saved from the power of sin. And that's supposed to be our, as born-again Christians, that's supposed to be our testimony. That I, I, slowly but surely, I'm not sinless, I'm sinning less, okay? But I'm being saved from the power of sin, sanctification. And then one glorious day, the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. And at that moment, we're going to be caught up. And at that point, we're going to be glorified. Glorification. That means we're going to receive a brand new, immortal, eternal body. Now, here's my point. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Okay? Keeping the law cannot accomplish any of that. Keeping the law, trying to obey a list of rules to earn your way to God or earn your way to his favor can accomplish, cannot accomplish any of that. Keeping the law cannot justify you. You are not justified by works. Why? Because we all have broken at least one of God's laws. Most of us, a lot more than that. So we don't deserve justification. We don't deserve to be declared righteous. We deserve death and hell. And by the way, for some of you, you'll never get saved until you accept that you are lost. Hey, keeping the law will never sanctify you. If you try to keep a list of rules in your own willpower, you're just going to uh, be frustrated and be defeated. You're going to be crying out like Paul in Romans 7, 23, oh, wretched man that I am. I just keep failing and failing and failing. And so, hey, it's not about keeping a list of rules in your own strength. The law cannot sanctify you. And the law, sure enough, cannot glorify you. Here's why. Because justification and sanctification and glorification is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That'll set you free. Okay? And so I bring all that up uh, to say this. Look at verse 3 again. For what the law could not do, it can't justify you, it can't sanctify you, it can't glorify you. In that it was weak through the flesh, we've broken God's law. 
Okay, so we blew it, so what did God do? Did he just say, forget you guys? No, God did. How many, how many of you guys are glad God did? <laughs> God did, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. And so you guys know this, right? Unless you're visiting, the eternal son of God, Jesus Christ was not created. The eternal son of God, God of very gods, left heaven, left the glory that he enjoyed with his father, wrapped himself in human flesh, came to this fallen planet on a rescue mission. Why in the world do we get here for the first note of the first song and raise our hands and sing our praises to the Lord and just are so much in love with him? It's because he left heaven to rescue us. That's why. He deserves it. He's worthy of it, right? Absolutely worthy of it. And so Jesus came on a rescue mission. Here's what he did. Pastor Will prayed about it uh, earlier. He lived the life you and I could never live in our place. He kept the law. Then he died the death you and I should have died. He was executed. We should have been executed for our sin. He was executed in our place. And then he rose again the third day. Okay? And so why did he do that? I love verse four. Okay, look at this. Why did he do that? So that the righteous requirement of the law, what is the righteous requirement of the law? You gotta keep the law perfectly. Jesus did, okay? So he came that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, say, by us? In us, I looked up every single translation, every single one, in us. Please underline, in us, not by us. In us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, that's the result, again, of knowing who you are in Christ, knowing your position in Christ. You walk according, not, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, all right? And so Christ came to do what we could not do. So that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, follow me here, okay? What does this look like? Well, we are confronted with the Ten Commandments. We're confronted, let's say, with commandment number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't lie. How many guys of you guys have ever lied before? Let me see your hand. Please be honest. I'll raise two. Okay? And so we say, man, God says don't lie. I've lied. God says the penalty for lying is death. You know what God says? Does God say, I condemn you? <laughs> no. He says, if you're in Christ, good news. My son never lied one time. Therefore, if you're in Christ, my law is fulfilled in you. Not by you, we've all blown it, in you. You see how salvation is a work of the Lord in the heart? We get to commandment number 10, you shall not covet. We say, man, I've coveted, I've desired stuff from other people that wasn't mine, right? And God says, hey, if you're in Christ, good news. Christ never coveted one time, and so because you're in Christ, my law is fulfilled, not by you, in you. Hey, is this good news or is it just me? 
So, so, so you get an A. You get an A+. Plus. You get an A-plus if you're in Christ. So look at verse 5 now. For those who live according to the flesh, and again, I'm just going to emphasize at the end of verse 4, what is the result of knowing that in Christ you have an A-plus? Here's the result. You're letting the Spirit live through you. You do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In other words, I hope nobody here hears me say, I, I've lied, but Christ never lied. And so, you know, because Christ never lied, the law is fulfilled in me because I'm in Christ. And so, and so, and so, I'm gonna go out and lie as much as I can. No, you, you've missed it. The response to grace is that we walk according to the Spirit. Now look at verse five. For those who live according to the flesh, set their, what's the word? Okay, that's where the battlefield is, right there. Set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds, inference, on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, you remember last week the word carnal means according to the flesh. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse seven, because the carnal mind is enmity or hostile to God. Why? It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so I wanna focus in on the carnal mind here, and here's your next point. That is that the carnal mind is hostile toward God. Why is that? Here's why. Because the carnal mind is all about me. You know that's our, our biggest problem as we are in these uh, earth suits here on planet earth. Our biggest problem is the problem of me. It's not somebody else, it's me. Your carnal nature, right, and to be carnally minded, well, what's the problem with that? It, because it's, it's a self-centered line of thinking. In other words, John wrote in 1 John 2, 16, that the, the, the person who's of the world, it's all about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You ever heard this before? Okay, follow this thinking. The lust of the flesh. In other words, pleasure. Life is all about my pleasure. And so what drives me in life is what can please me? The lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes, what is that? That's possessions. And so what drives me is how can I accumulate as much stuff as possible? Because somehow that makes me feel good because I think I have all the stuff so I think I'm better than other people. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What is that? Position. Who's gonna respect me? Who's gonna esteem me? I want people to look up to me. I want people to always talk about me and lift me up. And so that's the carnal mind. It's all about my pleasure, my possessions, and it's all about my position. Before you think, well, that yeah, that's only how unsaved people think. <laughs> really? Peter, who was a believer, knew all about this kind of thinking. Do you guys remember this story? Jesus coming to the end of his ministry. He gathers Peter and the disciples together, and Jesus says this. Hey, guys, I just want to give you a, a heads up here. We're going to Jerusalem, and I know they hate me in Jerusalem, but I'm going anyway. 
We're gonna go to Jerusalem where I must suffer many things. Everybody say suffer. I gotta suffer many things. And then they're going to kill me. Everybody say kill. But then, good news, I'm gonna rise again the third day. Now, think about what he just said. I'm going to Jerusalem. We know he, he was on a rescue mission to save you from hell. And so I'm gonna go to Jerusalem. I'm gonna suffer and I'm gonna die. Does that sound to you like Jesus was driven by his pleasure, possessions, or position? No. And do you know what Peter did? After Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem, Peter said, Lord, you got a minute? Come over here for a minute. And Peter rebuked Jesus. Can you imagine rebuking the eternal Son of God? Far be it from you, Lord. This will never happen to you. Why was, G well, why was Peter rebuking Jesus? Here's why. Because Peter, at that point, had a carnal mind. The most important Peter, uh, person to Peter at that point in his life was Peter. Peter was all about Peter. So he didn't want to go somewhere where he may die and suffer. Why? Because for Peter, it was all about his pleasure and his possessions and his position. And so Peter actually rebukes the Lord. Peter was hoping that Jesus as the Messiah would start acting like the Messiah. You know, start flexing some muscle. Rally all Israel. Crush Rome. Bring in the kingdom. And then I'll be at your side and I can receive all these pleasure and possessions and I can have a great position in your kingdom. Carnal minded. How did Jesus respond to Peter? Check it out. Get behind me who? Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, believer Peter. For you are not, what's the word? That's where the fight takes place, right there. The battlefield is your mind. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, stop thinking like the world. Stop thinking it's all about your pleasure and your possessions and your position, because it's not. The carnal mind is enmity or hostility toward God. This is the way, Peter. Check out what Jesus then said up on your screen. If anyone desires to come after me, let him, what's the next two words? Deny himself. Is it just me, or do you like hardly ever hear this from the TV preachers? Is it just me? Right? Now, now, when I come down on TV preachers, please understand, I'm not talking about Charles Stanley. I'm not talking about um, David Jeremiah. I'm not talking about Adrian Rogers. You guys should watch those men and thank God for those men and the faithful example they've set decade after decade after decade. I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about the guys with the really expensive suits and Rolex watches who have private jets and that they can you know, touch and heal people. That's what I'm talking about. And what is their message? It's all about your health, your wealth, and your prosperity, right? And it's not what Jesus wants us to focus on. Jesus said, deny yourself if you wanna follow me. All right, so how many people, raise your hand, if you really authentically wanna follow Jesus in your life, please raise your hand. Okay, deny yourself. And I gotta deny myself as well. I got to come to the place in my life 
where I stop thinking about my pleasure, my possessions, or my position. I need to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow Jesus. He says, here's why this is important, for whoever desires to save his life, right? I just want to do what I want to do. He's going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, that person's going to find it. And so look at the first part of verse 6 in Romans 8. Okay, check it out. For to be carnally minded is what? All right, look back up at the screen. Whoever desires to save his life is going to lose it. Now look back down at your Bibles, the second part of verse 6. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Look up at the screen at the very bottom. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it. The question is, do you want life or death? The question is, do you want life and peace and fruit and the spirit moving and working as you follow Jesus and deny yourself? Or do you want to be cut off from from the the blessings and the fruit and the real uh, uh, moving of God in your life? And so... What are your, and it, it all starts in the mind. So what do you think about? Just take inventory real quick of, of, of your thoughts. Think about this past week. What have you been thinking about? Have a lot of your thoughts been all about, you know, what will please me? How can I get more stuff? Who's going to esteem me? If, has that been your thinking? If so, listen, it's gonna end in death. If you try to save your life, you're gonna lose it. But if your thinking has been, how can I please the Lord today, right? How can I be a giver and not a taker? How can I esteem and worship and lift up Jesus and not me? If that's been your thinking, that's going to end in life. That's going to end in in peace and joy and blessing and fruit. Two mindsets. Now, the Lord knew that because we're carnal, that we need some help if we're ever gonna set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And that's why he says this in verse nine, check it out. He says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God, what's the next three words? There's the key right there. Dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his, here's your next point. The Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us and to be our helper. Okay, the key is not us, the key is Christ in you. And so the good news is because our tendency is to always think, to set our minds on the things of the flesh, God knew they need some help. And so what happened? Jesus went up and who came down? What is his name? The Holy Spirit. And check out what Jesus now says to his disciples in John 14. He says, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you, how long? Forever. Okay, in this age of grace, the Spirit doesn't come and go, come and go, come and go, come and go. Saved and lost, saved and lost, saved and lost. No, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You are sealed into the day of redemption. He abides in you forever. Okay, so who is he? The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive 
because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be, what? In you, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. By the way, quick side note, do you see the beautiful triunity of God right there? I will, that's Jesus, the Son, pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper who's the Spirit, right? One God, not three gods. One God, eternally existent in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the key to living the victorious life is the last five words in that passage. I will come to you. The key to living the victorious Christian life is Christ in you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so let's move on to our last two verses now. Look at verse 10. He says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, right? How many of you guys know that your body is dying and decaying, right? Okay, the body's dead, but good news, the spirit is life because of righteousness. That's not your righteousness, that's Christ's righteousness. That's the born again experience. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your what? Your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Here's our, our last point as the worship team comes up. Okay, bad news. Our mortal bodies are dying. You can put on makeup. You can go to the gym six times a week. You can watch your calories and eat right. You can get eight hours of sleep every night. Here's the thing, we continue to grow old. Why? Because our body's not saved. Okay, so bad news, our mortal bodies are dying. Good news, we're gonna receive immortal bodies. Do you remember glorification? I will be saved from the very presence of sin. When are you and I gonna receive our immortal bodies? Here's the answer, when the Lord descends from heaven with a shout. You know, my hope is that we won't even have to elect a president this November. My hope is that Jesus comes soon, really soon. Now, listen to this. Get excited about this, Christian, right? Stop thinking about your past. Stop thinking about your sin. Stop thinking about all the, 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 the burdens in your life. Just think about this right now. Because if you have this hope in you, you'll be pure as he is pure. Listen. For the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, everybody say we. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Harpazo in the Greek, rapturo in the Latin Vulgate is from where we get our English word rapture. It's in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 4. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall ever be with the Lord. Guess what? On the way up, and by the way, all that happens in a twinkling of an eye. Just, just blink your eye real quick. That's how fast it happens. As we're going up, this 
decaying body becomes new, immortal, eternal, can't get sick, can't sin. We see him face to face and a billion, 10 billion, 100 billion years from now, we'll still be in his presence. Why? Because salvation is of the Lord. Amen. One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at www.calvarypsl.com and click on Knowing Christ.